In a few moments, the square was completely deserted. I looked around me. Directly opposite was a war memorial, set within a solidly built stone enclosure. The walls were hooped with railings and pierced with silver-painted gates, hung between solid pillars. Each sturdy pillar was capped by a large, flat flagstone, white with bird droppings. Within the enclosure... Grass grew untidily around young trees and shrubs already touched with the tints of autumn. Dawkins pushed their rusty spikes through the locked gates and dropped their seeds among the sweet papers and ice cream wrappers drifted against the wall. Except for the clatter of cutlery in the hotel behind me and the running commentary of the sparrows bathing in the dust nearby, all was quiet. Nothing moved except a worn-looking ginger dog of no specific breed. He trotted purposefully across the red and cream frontage of the Greyhound Bar, lifted his leg against a stand of beach balls outside a shop next door, and disappeared into the open doorway of a house with large, staring sash windows. A faded notice propped against an enormous dark-leaved plant in the downstairs window said, Bed and Breakfast. What do I do now? I asked myself. Just at that moment, the ancient taxi I'd seen collecting passengers from the bus came back into the square. To my surprise, the driver went round the completely deserted space twice before stopping his vehicle almost in front of me. He got out awkwardly. A tall, angular man in a battered soft hat looked around him furtively and began to move towards me. I concentrated on the building straight ahead of me, a cream and green guesthouse called Inishvoil, a medical hall, a bar, a grocer's, and a road leading out of town signposted Cliffs of Moor and Public Conveniences. The bar and the grocer's were part of a much larger building that occupied almost all one side of the square and extended along the road towards the cliffs and conveniences as well. Against the cream and brine of its walls and woodwork, De Largy's Hotel stood out in large black letters. Good day, miss. It's a fine day after all for your visit. He was standing before me, touching his hand to the shapeless item of headgear he'd pushed back on his shiny pink forehead. The sleeves and legs of his crumpled brown suit were too short for his build, and his hands and feet projected as if they were trying to get out. In contrast, the fullness of his trousers had been gathered up with a leather belt, and his jacket hung in folds like a short cloak. "'You'll be waiting for the car from the hotel, miss. "'Sure, bad luck to them. They've kept you waiting,' he said indignantly. "'I shook my head. Uh, "'No,' I replied. "'I'm not staying at a hotel.' "'Ah, no. No, you're not.' "'He nodded wisely to himself, "'as if the fact that I was not staying at a hotel was plain to be seen. "'He had merely managed to overlook it.' He sat himself down at the far end of my summer seat, and for some minutes we studied the stonework of the wall memorial in front of us, as if the manner of its construction were a matter of some importance to us both. He turned and smiled again. His eyes were a light watery blue, his teeth irregular and stained with tobacco. Have your friends been delayed, do you think? Maybe they've had a puncture, he suggested. He seemed quite delighted with himself for having seen the solution to my problem, and he waited hopefully for my reply. 
It had already dawned on me that I wasn't going to go on sitting here in peace if I didn't give him some account of myself. I knew from experience that country people have a habit of curiosity based on self-preservation. Strangers create unease until they have been labelled and placed. And he couldn't place me. In his world, people who travel on buses and have suitcases are to be met. I had a suitcase. I had travelled on a bus, but I had not been met. I glanced at him as he pushed his hat back further and scratched his head. I'm just having a rest before my lunch, I said, hoping to put him out of his misery. I'm going on to listen to Sharg this afternoon, I explained easily. Ah, yes, listener Shara. Again, he nodded wisely, but the way he pronounced the name produced instant panic.